Oh, glory to God. He is exalted. <laughs> he is exalted. Yes, he is. He is exalted on high. And he's exalted in our hearts too. Amen? Amen. He is Lord. He's the only one. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in the earth, things in heaven, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Glory to, aren't you glad you already bowed your knee? You've already submitted to the Lord. Amen. And then, you know what that also means? That means you're going to be exalted too. <laughs> Amen. We're going to rise together with him. He's the firstborn of the, he's the, firstborn of the resurrection. The reason why he's the firstborn is because there's going to be some more born. You and I are going to live again. Yes, we are. It's not over here. It's over here, but it's not completely over. We will live again. Jesus is alive and well, and we will be alive and well one day too. After this life. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That means goodness and mercy shall pursue me and overtake me during my lifetime. And when my life is over, David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wasn't talking about going to church. <laughs> He's talking about the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. This is just a small replica of what we're going to look forward to. We're so grateful. Give the choir a hand, everybody. Let's thank them for their service. We are so grateful. Um, let's take a moment. Let's pray for Reverend Amos and Sister Angie. I don't know if Angie's a sister. She's Keyshawn's sister, so we're going to make her our sister too, okay? And let's, let's ask God to do something wonderful for them. Father, in Jesus' name, we need your help. We call upon you because you're the only one that can do this. We thank you for the medicine and the doctors and the science and the technician and those who serve, the nurses and the caregivers. But we need you to heal these people in the name of Jesus. Touch their bodies, whatever. The, you know the diagnosis. You know what's going on with each of them. Not just them, but the others too. Touch them, heal them, raise them up. Let them testify of your goodness. Do great things on behalf of their family members. Give them peace. Give them comfort today, Father. Relieve them of anxiety right now. Do a great work on their behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. Let's look in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We talked about Jesus being preeminent. Talked about him being the supreme. He's the highest. He's the He's the sovereign. There's nobody above him. There's no rank higher than him. Amen? He's the supreme commander. You know, he's the commander-in-chief. He's a high above all those. None of those words are adequate to describe how high and how powerful and how important Jesus is. Everything consists because of him. Everything was made by him, even in the natural and the spirit. He's the main one. He's the only one. The living God. Amen. 
We thank God for him. The Bible says in um, John that he is created, everything was created by him. It was not anything made that was made. You know, so if it was created, he created it. Amen. Praise God. So he's, the, he's the all that. He is all that. He's, this, the words don't describe how important he is to creation and to the world and to, the, to our lives and, and, and to the stuff going on in the natural and stuff going on in the spirit. He's also the head of the church. He's our head. The church is his church. We belong to him. We are his church. And we are privileged to be the called out ones. That's what church means. It means the ones who are called out. We've been called out of darkness into his light. We've been translated from darkness into the kingdom of God's son, Jesus. Amen. And we are so privileged to have that. Praise God. And it says that it pleased, the, verse 15, 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, all the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. In other words, whether it's in the natural or the spirit, he's the reconcile. The reconcile means to be brought back together. When, when a couple breaks up, they're reconciled when they're brought back together. Amen? Not when they're forced together. We're not putting no crazy glue on nobody and making them stick. You know, but when they agree, when they come together, right, that's reconciliation. Amen? I mean, you can force some people to live in the same place, but that's not reconcile. Because they could be in the same house, they could sleep in the same bed and not be together. Right? So, but reconciliation is when you come back together, you come back together, you become back in fellowship. Amen? And, and man, the human man, the human man, woman, child is out of fellowship with God. And the only way we can be in fellowship with him is to be reconciled through the blood of Jesus. Why the blood? Because sin requires death. The wages of sin is death. All right? The soul that sins shall die. The day you eat of that fruit, the Lord told Father Adam, you shall surely die. And he did. No, he did not drop dead on the spot. Right? But he died. He was separated. Death is separation. And we are separated from God until we come to Jesus. And so when Jesus gave his life, the man, Christ Jesus, who was without sin, the son of the living God, when he's a, when he's a lamb of God that, that, that um, John the Baptist talked about, when he died on the cross for our sins, the work was done. Amen. That's why he said it's finished. I've accomplished everything. I've done everything you told me to do. It is finished now. And he gave up the ghost. Remember what Jesus said about himself. He said, nobody take my life. <laughs> I laid down. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it back up. And it wasn't a suicide either, y'all. Right? It wasn't suicide. He submitted. He submitted to the authorities of the day. He submitted to the, the Jewish authority. He submitted to the Roman authority. He submitted himself. On our behalf, he gave himself up. Because nobody could really take him. Because one, one time they tried to take him early. And he just walked right, he just walked away from him. They wanted to stone him. They had him in their clutches. And he just walks away. 
because it wasn't time for all that. Amen? But when it was time, when the time was right, he gave himself up. He shed his own blood. Amen? And so we're reconciled by the blood of Christ. No more bulls and goats and lambs and heifers and things like that have to be sacrificed for people to have their sins atoned or covered. Look what it says here in verse 21. And you, us, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We were alien, we were separated, we were enemies, we were opposition, we were opposing, we were not with him. Right? But we've been reconciled. Amen? We've been reconciled. And it says that we were enemies in our minds. And some folks don't realize they're the enemy. They don't realize it. Right? They don't, they don't understand it. They don't realize it. But in their mind, and by their works too. By our works, by our thoughts, by our lifestyles, by the way we lived, and the, and the idea that we did not have faith. We were separated. We were enemies of God. But now we are reconciled. Right? And it says, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unremovable in his sight. Now, last week the woman of God preached that we should be, that we should be steadfast, unmovable, you know, in the work. Right? That our, in our works we should be steadfast and unmovable. But see, what, what the Lord is doing for here, what he's doing here, he's making you, we're not talking about your works in this respect, we're talking about your soul. We're talking about your position in Christ. Amen? And he says here, let me read it to you again. It says, to present you holy. Holy means separate, set apart. Okay? Unblameable. You can't blame me for any of that. Right? There's no blame. Now, I want you, I want you, you imagine in your mind that, you, that you, there's no blame. You know how it feels to have blame. You know how it feels to be wrong. You know how it feels to do something and have conviction, right? Right? I think we all have that experience. You know, like, I was wrong. I, you know, you know that, that guilty feeling? Right? Well, the opposite of that is not being blamable. You're not, we can't blame you. We're not going to blame you for the trouble that happened. Now, you know how it is to say it wasn't me? Which is actually supposed to say it wasn't I, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, if something goes wrong, you hear something spill, something drops, something breaks, and you know it wasn't you, and you got that, that relief that, it, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. that. That relief, that little moment that it wasn't I. Mama comes in the house, and she, you know, she's snarling and stuff, but you know you didn't do it. So you feel a little better. You might feel bad for your sibs and your father, right? But you know it wasn't you, right? It's, that, it's a relief. We should, we should have this kind of relief. We should feel this relief, y'all. We should feel this freedom, that, um, this freedom from guilt. You have it. You should want to feel it. You should determine in your mind, I am free from the guilt of sin. Because of what Jesus has done. Because he, he didn't just take the punishment. He took the guilt, too. He took the blame. He took the blame for stuff he did not do. You ever take the blame for something you didn't do? Don't, don't, don't answer. <laughs> right? 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever willingly done that? I know, I know a family of friends of mine. There's five of them. And, um, and a sibling got in trouble. And, and somebody stood up and said, you know, he's going he gonna to kill him. You know, but if, if I say I did it, he'll get spared. It's a lie, right? It's a lie. But the idea is that he, the sibling stepped up so his little brother won't get punished harshly. Okay? You know, that's the idea. Now, Jesus steps up for us. It's not a lie. He took it on. Right? He who knew no sin became sin that you and I might become righteousness in him. Right? He took it on. So it's not really, it's not a lie. He just took it on the blame. He took the blame. I'll take that. You know? And so that's what he did for us. He did that for us. He took the blame. Right? And so... It says that, um, let me read this again. And you that were once alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unremovable in his sight. You know, if something can't be removed, it can't be removed. It's not going to budge, right? You know, you, you push on it. You know what isometric exercises are? Some of you know what that is. It's an exercise where you push against an object that, can't be, that you can't move. Right? It's, 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 they say it's just as good as lifting weights. I don't know. You're not going to get the same muscle. You get strength. So, like, so if, if I push against this pillar and I don't have the strength to move it, but I'm getting a lot of exercise that's unmovable and I can lean on it, and I could push on, I could put all my weight on, and I could, you know, push against it. It's not, it's not going anywhere. Right? You ever try to lift something that's too heavy for you? All right? You ever try to move something that you don't have the strength to move? You tried it? You were probably real young when you did that. All right? Because there's ways of moving stuff now. We just get wheels and, get, you know. And stuff like that. But, but we're, we're, you're, you're the one that's unmovable. Okay? I, I watch football a lot, and I want my team to be unmovable. Unfortunately, they get pushed around. <laughs> right? But I want, I, want the, I want that guy to be unmovable. I want him, I want, he's blocking for the quarterback. I want him to be unmovable. I don't want him to get pushed around. And my quarterback get knocked down. Stuff like that. Right? So, but you're unmovable. You can't be taken out of your place. You can't get fired. All right? You, 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 you're not going to lose your position. Okay? You're not going to expire. You're not going to get laid off. You're not going to um, be unable to do, be who you are. You're unmovable. All right? And so you're not going to be blamed. You're unmovable. You're unblameable. You're unmovable. Don't this, doesn't this sound familiar? It should sound familiar. Right? Let me tell you why it sounds familiar. Let me find my verse in Ephesians I want to read to you. Where's that? The 21. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm finding it. It's right here, right here, right here. I hate this thing. I should write this on paper. Because it moves. I wish this was unmovable. There should be a lock on it so it won't move. Right? On computer, don't have that on computer something you could 
lock it so that so the page won't change? Maybe I'm just imagining stuff. All right, y'all come up with that, and uh, we'll share that money. <laughs> All right? But the Bible says in Ephesians that um, he's, he's coming to present unto himself a church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and acceptable unto the Lord. He's not looking for a church. Like the old folks used to say, he's looking for a church. Without spot or wrinkle, there's no such thing. There's not a congregation on the planet in history that does have spots or wrinkles. The church in the book of Acts was full of spots and wrinkles. Right? When God, you know, as soon as the Lord poured his spirit out on the church, there was heresies right away. But anyhow, but he's he going to present unto himself. He's going to present us to him. We're going to be presented to him without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Like the, like the bride, when the bride comes down the aisle, she is all done up, man. She, she is clean. She has clean clothes on. She may have had a makeover. She might have lost weight. She may have put something on to look like she lost weight. You know, whatever. You know, she, she's coming down as, as perfect as can be. Right? That's how the bride is presented. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to be presented to the Lord like that. All right, but we're not going to need makeovers and all these other things. Okay? I'm sorry. And I apologize to my wife. All right, here we go. All right, and so... So we, we, we have this position, and we're going to be, it says, in his sight. All right? In his sight. In my sight, your sight, everybody else's sight. We could find some stuff. I could, we could blame each other for some things. We could confess our faults. We confess our sins because we know, we know where the blame lies. <laughs> right? But in his sight. We're unblameable and unmovable. It doesn't mean that the Lord is ignorant to what we do and what we said and our faults. Right? It doesn't mean that. It just means that he's wiping them away. He's forgiven them. You have any record expunged. That's what it is. You know, he's just saying that that's, I'm not holding that against them. All right? That's what he's saying. He's not holding that stuff against us because Jesus has took the blame. Okay? Look what it says. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature, everybody, which is under heaven, whereof I am a minister. Paul, I, Paul, am a minister. He says we need to, that. Now when it says if, it, it, it should have said since, but I'm not going to edit the Bible. But it means sense, right? And this is what you're doing. You're staying grounded. You're grounded in the faith, all right? Not grounded in the works, not grounded in the offerings, not grounded in the other things, right? Not grounded in traditions, but grounded in the faith, in our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died for my sins. He was risen again on the third day, right? We're grounded in that faith of the gospel. 
one place Paul calls it his gospel, right? And his, it is his gospel by stewardship. It's yours and mine by stewardship too. Amen. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. That sounds deep, doesn't it? But it's true. <laughs> it, is, it is true. Amen. And Paul says, whereby he is a minister. Right? And so, who now rejoice in my sufferings? Paul is in jail. He's, he's writing from prison. He's been locked up. He's been jailed because he preached this gospel. And the, and the authorities of the day did not like it. First of all, his fellow Jews didn't like it. Okay? And the Romans don't like it either. So where are he going to go? only place he can't go is to jail. Because everywhere he go preach in that time frame is under Roman rule. Right? And all, all we need is somebody to complain. He's, he's messing up my business. One place he was preaching, and um, they messed up the business. They had a soothsayer. They had this girl who was telling fortunes and stuff. And Paul cast that devil out of her. And he went to jail for that. He went to jail for casting out the devil. Right? Anyhow. And they accused Jesus, too, for healing people on the Sabbath and things like that. Okay? Religious folk, you know, religious folk are tight. They're tight. Man, they do things. They, it's the, about the religion. Not about the faith. It's about the religion. You mess with my practice. And this is how I get my time. This is how I get my fulfillment. And this is how I, I please God by doing all this stuff. When you can have faith in Jesus Christ and please him that way. But anyhow, let's go back to this. I want to get to one thing real quick. All right? So he's suffering, you know. And, and, is be, and behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. He said, I'm suffering for the church's sake. That's what Paul is saying. I'm in jail for your sake, basically, right? For the church, the, his body, the church. I'm in jail for the church's sake because I'm trying to teach the church. I'm trying to preach the gospel and teach the church, and this causes me to be locked up, okay? That's what he's saying here. Wherefore, verse 25, I am made a minister, a servant. According to the dispensation, that word dispensation really means stewardship of God. Stewardship of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He's not, he now, he's not blaming the saints or nothing like that. And he's not trying to get sympathy. He's just letting them know, I'm, I'm this way because I preach to you. Because I have stewardship, I have a mission. I have a job, and my job is to teach the gospel and preach the gospel, and this is why I'm doing this, and this happens to me for your sake. All right? Now, he's not blaming them. He's not looking for sympathy. He's not doing any of that stuff. He's just giving them the truth. Right? Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. That's what he's doing. All right? Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages... And from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. It's made manifest to us. It was a mystery. That mis this gospel was a mystery. Paul, I mean, David did not know it. Moses didn't know it. The prophets that prophesied about Christ did not know what you know. Even the prophet Joel, who said, who said that in that day, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, did not understand that. Did not understand that 
the Spirit of God was going to be not just poured upon us, but it's going to be dwelling in us. Right? And the sonship that we have, even, I mean, even Abraham didn't have sonship. He didn't have it. Right? David and them, Elijah, they did not have sonship. Right? They did not have it like that. But you and I have that. And everybody who come to faith in Jesus Christ is a child of God, son, daughter of God, of the living God. That's the kind, that stuff was hid from them. Hid for ages. Right? All those men and women of the Old Testament, all those faithful servants of God, that whole list of people in Hebrews chapter 11 and all the people that should be listed there, they did not have what you have. They did not know what you know. And they did not know Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. They've had, they had instances where the angel, quote unquote, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, but they didn't know Christ. You hear what I'm saying? They didn't know Christ. You know Christ. All right? So the mystery has, is revealed to us. I'm going to read a little bit more, then we're going to close this out. To whom God would have, to whom God make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles too. A bunch of heathens like us could know this stuff. Amen? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> Even in the Gentiles, y'all. Christ in you, Christ in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave, the Bible says. We have a hope that goes beyond my pain. We have a hope that goes beyond my circumstances. We have a hope that goes beyond my life and my hurts and my disappointments. I have a hope that goes beyond that. Right? And, I, you know, we've been disappointed, yes, you know, and we've been let down, uh-huh. And we, we have pain and we have suffered and we have gone through some things and we made some mistakes and we made some bad decisions. And we have a hope that goes beyond that. Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He's the hope of glory. There's a glorious day coming for each of you. Right? In Romans it said that you're already glorified. It says it in the past tense. And you look in the mirror and say, I don't see the glory yet. Right? It's a spiritual thing. Amen? But you are, it's, it's a done deal. You are in. You sit in heavenly places. You have a position at, in, the, in the throne. Not at the throne, in the throne. All right? You're not just in the throne room. You're in the throne. I don't know what kind of throne that is, right? Where people could be in it. It's the throne of Christ, and we are in the throne. Amen? So we have a hope that goes way past what we can see and touch and hear and, and experience. Okay? And let me read this to you. Whom we preach. Paul said we preach this thing. Look, it says, warning every man and teaching every man. He means every man, woman, and child. In all wisdom, that we might present every man perfect, complete. That's what perfect means. It means complete. In Christ Jesus. So Paul says, we have to warn people. That does sound like good news, doesn't it? But warning and teaching everybody. That's what we have to do, y'all. 
We have to warn the folks. As much as we try to recruit people to Christ Jesus, and we sell it, yeah, we do, and the Lord could do this for you, and the Lord could do that for you, and the Lord could make, heal your problems, and he could make you whole, and he could settle your issues. The Lord could do all these things for you. And the Lord has all these benefits for you if you just come and trust in him, and we try to sell it. And what we need to also do is warn people, right? Warn people of judgment. Warn people of a life of sin. You know, we need to warn folks that much as we try to sell this thing and much as we try to recruit, okay? And when you recruit, you put the best foot forward, right? But that's not the full gospel. There's a warning that comes with the gospel, right? He that believes shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned, shall be cut off, shall be judged, shall be condemned. And we need to tell folk. Oh, you don't want to do that. You want to sell it. Uh-huh. You want to present it. You want to go on TV and you want to advertise it. But along that advertisement, get the warning out. Like that medicine. Every, every medicine advertisement you hear on TV, right? When they say, this will fix your body, and then they spend the next whatever many, the, less, the, the rest of the commercial talks about the, the, the warning of the possible symptoms and side effects. And, you know, the, me the medicine they offer, I don't know what it is. I'm glad I don't know the name of it. Um, for um, depression. And one of the warnings might cause suicide. Whoa. Depression medicine is going to cause me to cause suicide. That's scary, y'all. I don't know if I want to take that. You know? Let me go to church. Have somebody lay hands on me. Oh, my goodness. In the old days, in the old days, People of color. Some of them didn't go to psychologies and psychology and stuff like that, right? Because they went to church. That's what they did. Now listen, I am all for psychology. Amen. Right? And I, you know, you need to sit down with somebody and talk about it. And and psychiatry. Sometimes you need some medicine. Sometimes you need some meds. Right? You know, they, 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 people joke and play and, and they tease, talk about somebody's off their meds, right? But, but that's serious. That's not something to be played. You know, you need those things, right? But just like, I'm taking a break, y'all know that, right? Um, just, just like those commercials that have those warnings, right? We need to warn people. We need to tell them the full gospel. The full gospel message has a judgment element in it. It does. It has a judgment element in it. And folk need to know that they're under judgment. Now, you have to get some wisdom. You have to ask God how, how to do this correctly without, you know, because we don't condemn people. Right? We, we let them know that Jesus could save them from their sins. Sin. Talk about the sin. What is sin? Sin is, is, is you know, being separated from God. Sin is we're born in sin. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right? Um, you don't have to make it ugly. You don't have to call out exactly what they're doing. 
that's, that's a sin, that's a sin, you know that's a sin, that's a sin, and that's a sin. And, and give them a list of terrible things that they're doing, and this is going to send you to hell. You, know, no, you don't do that. What you do, you tell them that Jesus is the remedy. We have sinned, and Jesus is the remedy for that sin. But if the sin is not redeemed, if it's not cleansed, if it's not taken away, there's going to be judgment behind that. Right? And so we need to tell our friends and our loved ones and the strangers and those who dare listen to us about sin and about the judgment. All right? The soul that sins shall die. Amen? Amen. So, so let's, let's preach the full gospel. Right? When we think of full gospel, we think of the word and signs following, right? But along with that is the warnings. Paul says, warning every man. Right? And see, folk don't want to be warned. See, that will get you in prison. When John the Baptist warned the king about what he was doing with his sister-in-law, it got him in prison and got him executed because he called out the man's sin. Right? He warned them. When Jesus, when Jesus did a lot of warning, and he did a lot of name-calling, too. Now, we don't call names, do we, y'all? No, we don't. Jesus called them by... He called them vipers and gravestones, hypocrites, right? All those, he called them names. We, we, we don't name call. Amen? Amen. Y'all good, good citizens of the kingdom. Good citizens of the kingdom. We don't name, we let Jesus call all the names. We don't name call. But we have to warn. We have to, we have to warn people. One verse talks about snatching them from the from the fire with the smoke still on them, you know? The idea is that you, you, you let them know that they're in danger and you get, try to get them out of that, that fire before they get into it, before they really get into the fire, right? But they're so close that, that the smoke is on them, that kind of thing. We need to warn the folks. And saints need to be warned sometime too. Amen. Amen? Even though we got it going on, you know, we need some warnings for us, right? And we need to be told that we need to correct our behavior and we need to correct our um, incorrect teaching, if there's incorrect teaching and stuff like that. And we need some warning so we can be better citizens of the kingdom despite our unremovable self. We need some warning, y'all. Amen? All right, so here we go. So Paul is saying this is all this is because of what Jesus has done. And because of what Jesus has done, I am a minister of this thing. I am a steward of this gospel. I serve the Lord and I serve his church. Right? And this is how I serve, warning and teaching everybody. And Paul did that everywhere he went. He warned and he teach. He warned the people and he taught the people. Right? The church really needs the teaching. The world needs the warning. We preach out in the world. We teach in here. Amen? So we can be better at it. And this is all that the Lord is doing. I might as well read the last verse. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. <laughs> Paul said, it works, it works in me, y'all. I've got it going on here. Right? It works in me mightily. That's what Paul is saying. Amen? Amen? Amen. He said, I'm striving, I'm working. And it is, it is work, y'all. It is work. Amen? You know, like, some places it looks like 
a wonderful life. So, wow. All they got to do is get up there and talk to those people. Right? But it's more than that. Amen? I'm reminded that it's more than just a Sunday service. You know, it, it takes a little effort. It takes a little work. It takes time. It takes some sacrifice. Amen? And so, so any, you know, if you desire the office of a bishop, you desire a good thing, the Bible says. But you're going to get put to work. Amen? And that's why we need the whole body to be involved, because it's work. Amen. And, um, yeah, it's work. We're going to stop there. Let's stand together. You know, when I was doing that analogy about the bride, you know in the eyes of that groom, she's perfect, right? And she doesn't need all that stuff. Because she needed all that, he wouldn't be marrying her. In the eyes of the groom, she's perfect already. And, and the grooms, I know, they just want to get this over with. So they could live their life together. Yeah, and do what married people do. Amen? Amen. But we thank God. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful. We are so grateful, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you for what Christ has done on our behalf and the position that you put us in and the privileges that we have as the people of God. We are so grateful for um, the salvation that you freely gave us that we did not earn or deserve, Lord, but you gave it to us anyway. We even thank you for the faith to believe it. And we pray now, Lord, amongst us, if there's anybody here that's believing you, that's come to faith in Jesus, as you draw them by your spirit, that you draw all of us, Lord, and save every soul in the name of Jesus. Amen. If there's anybody here that has not come to faith in Jesus Christ or you're not sure, right? or anybody here that needs prayer for whatever the reasons are, we want you to come now. You know, we believe God. The ministers are here. We believe God with you. The Lord wants to save everybody. It's not his desire that anyone perish, but that all people come to repentance. Amen? It's not his desire any perish. And you could come. Right? It could be for that. It could be for whatever your prayer need is. You know, it could be financial, physical, or some other, some other way. Right? Whatever the prayer desire is, we want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you. Amen? Um, the rest of us may be seated.